Hello, everyone, and welcome to the BizDev Podcast, the podcast about developing your business. I am David Baxter, your host, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Gary Voigt, the amateur penguin wrangler. Eh? Penguin wrangler. Eh? Okay. Penguin Do wrangler. I get eh? cute little eh? lassos? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and they have to be black and white. Across the ice. And they, okay. Here's well, a little bit. They'll, they'll, so, they'll be camouflaged. Penguins are my favorite animal. This is Jumanji. Who those who can't see my camera, I am holding up a stuffed penguin. Jumanji has been with me in every job I have had since I left school. So he sits on my desk. I studied uh, penguins in third grade, and they have been my favorite animal ever since. Strangely enough, I was going through some of my stuff at my parents' house. I was helping them clean things up, and uh, I found my penguin project from third grade. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, like, wow, crazy. Um, Did you know, have you ever heard what the sound a penguin makes? Yeah, I've been inside. It's like this blood-curdling honk. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I've been inside the penguin experience in uh, SeaWorld. Nice. What was it, the uh, Arctic Adventure or Antarctic Adventure? Uh Whatever, which one? Yeah, Yeah, my wife knows... That if there's a zoo that has a penguins, which is pretty rare because they take a lot of infrastructure. But if there is one and we go to it, I'll literally just sit in the penguin exhibit and watch them swim around for like 30 minutes. She knows I'm not leaving. I'm just going to sc- cop a squat and watch those little idiots fly around on the in the water. Anyway. All right. We have already gone off the rails. We haven't even started yet. You didn't even finish the intro yet, but that's okay. We'll Everyone knows why we're here, right? We're here to talk tech. And startups and all the stuff in between. Uh, right now, what I'm excited, my most excited about today is I get to hear Gary get really, really upset about Adobe buying Figma. I'm not going to get too upset. That's what I'm excited I think You're not? Did you anger, take your value My anger has waned a little bit. <laughs> well, I wouldn't even call it anger. At first, yeah, for those who don't know, uh, we are talking about Adobe's plan to acquire Figma after Figma was literally created to be the anti-Adobe design product. Now, Figma is a design tool for product design. Adobe had their own version that stemmed from, you know, Photoshop and Illustrator. And even back in the days when they had acquired Macromedia, they had fireworks. And then basically it's, it's a digital design tool that isn't Photoshop, which is basically a photo manipulation app that people were using for UI design. It's not Illustrator, which is a vector illustration program. It's not InDesign, which is a page layout program. It was its own different niche. Yeah, David's falling asleep. But anyways, so Figma just means get there started faster. out like the little punk rock <laughs> company they were, their DIY solution to make design in the browser accessible to just about anybody for free, and then also have collaboration within it. Started off kind of clunky. Uh, Adobe made XD, which was a uh, kind of a, adopted a little bit quicker because everybody was familiar with the Adobe, you know, ethos and how to use those programs. So it fit along in that family. But pretty soon, Figma just started getting more users. They started getting the attention of better developers, better engineers, and the community just grew and grew. The product grew and they outpaced everybody in the space. Even, you know, pro apps like Sketch, uh, Envision had an app at one point. Um, It put XD to shame. And Adobe was even offering updates to XD 
you know, every month we're going to make new features and they were trying to keep pace with Figma and they just got blown away. So at this point, what is a giant, you know, huge company who's charging way too much per month for mediocre software do? Yeah. Just buy the competition. Yeah. Well, I always consider Figma. I'm not a design guy, so I only use it when Gary tells me to use it. Uh, I equate it as Google Docs for design people because it's the its big thing is you can all be in the same gizmo and stare at it like and that was Google Docs big claim to fame is we could all edit the same doc together even though I've never understood why anyone wanted to do that we can't all write at the same time that's just weird but for design it makes a lot more sense it's very cool if you've ever it, you can get a free account it's very neat uh, I am I am all for it because as much as I love competition. And I love the fact that Adobe had to raise their game because they tried. XD, it they was tried. an answer to a product. And XD for a while was really great because it was it yeah. could do things that Photoshop couldn't do. But Figma obviously whooped its booty. But I do love the idea of a startup guy. And I, I don't know who they were specifically, but they got one heck of a payday. So 20 billion bucks. So I, I, were they? do you know the people who started? Were they like serial – entrepreneurs and they were big rich guys themselves or was this a scrappy startup team no it was a it was a scrappy startup team um dylan field is the ceo of figma um and their roots were small they yours? got some you know investment money or whatever they trying to figure out how to make money you know past subscriptions because at first they didn't really have a subscription model it was all just kind of free and they were just getting investment money and mm -hmm. as their community was growing i mean some people were a little upset with Figma because as you became a member, some of your data and information was part of the product that they were then selling off, you know, yeah, just like any other data. free app does. But then they started like different tiers of subscription for bigger groups of people using it, teams and stuff like that. And you had a little bit more advanced features like you can create design systems and publish them as libraries across different you know, teams and, and platforms and have collaboration between designer, developer, and like client all in the same like set of well, that's how design we yeah. apps. Yeah. And I mean, they had it down to where if you had a design system library built and then you were making changes, you could branch that off into like your, I guess what we would call it, like your uh, testing server or whatever before it actually went live and then you just push it through and then the developers would just have to make the specific changes that were made and you know what i mean it was just a very streamlined and i would say fast and common sense approach to uniting the creative design part of developing software to the development of the software and then the managing of both together like it just, what it I just seemed I'm, to be the answer for most teams. I'm most nervous about because when Adobe Adobeizes, I just made that up. When they do do what they do to the products they buy, they often put everything. They they sell a monthly subscription called Creative Suite. Um, creative, yeah, the Creative Cloud, Creative Suite, Creative Cloud. I mean, they've changed it a few times, but I'm afraid that the free features, like the cool thing about Figma now, is we have a paid account that we bought for Gary. And Gary's our designer and he does his thing. And us as the devs and the people looking at it, we don't have to pay for it. And that no, seems so counter Adobe. Like maybe they'll keep that. Maybe they'll say, okay, everybody has to at least have an Adobe ID and sign in so we can track you. 
but Gary's the only one who has to pay for it because he has a creative suite account or whatever. But that's – I doubt that's what they're going to do. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean they're basically trying to satiate everybody's concerns by Adobe saying that we promised to let Figma be Figma and we're not going to do anything except offer our you know immense amount of resources and expertise in trying to make Figma the best Figma can be. And they're like, you know, we're not going to mess with Adobe the community. We're, we're not going to mess with – yeah. But, you know – one or two years down the I mean, road, if this was, of course, it's just going to get folded into their suite and you're going to be paying a subscription, you know, right along the side of every other Adobe app. I don't if this see was Microsoft, it being I might believe them. Microsoft has bought lots of companies and let them just be themselves. I will be shocked if it, Adobe's never done that. So we will see. All right. That wasn't enough anger. I didn't get it. I didn't feel the passion from you. That was still very meh. This is Gary excited. This is Gary happy. This is Gary angry. This is all we got. We got to get some passion in there, man. Come on, man. And I, I just had a long day of wrangling penguins, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's this one scrappy one. He is just all over the place. He's making me tired. I can't keep up. All right. They kept flying out of the Macaroni penguins yeah. are my favorite, by the way. Have you oh, ever, they're called macaroni <laughs> penguins? That's the they're called macaroni penguins. penguins. Oh, okay. No, imperial penguins are the really tall ones that are huge. They're like three and a half feet tall. So the so the ones with the yellow feathers that stick the little up are fuzzy feathers that stick. Those are called macaroni yeah. penguins okay. or rock hoppers. I think is also another name for them. Um, anyway, I don't know all the penguins. I'm certainly not a super expert, but I I was a fan and oh, still am a fan. Anyway, we've gone again. Let's see. You get me talking about penguins. So a topic I wanted to bring up for this week was when is it time to update or evaluate your current software and see that you might need improvements. Since we were speaking of Adobe and Figma earlier, talking about competition, updating to stay relevant. uh, A lot of times most businesses will have a software suite or package, either something they bought or had made that works for them, has been working for them. So then they just continue to use it and work around it or any of its, you know, parts that are less capable than what they need. They'll find solutions outside of the app just to kind of keep business going. So if they might not necessarily be updating their custom software, like they would be updating just regular, you know, browsers or email platforms or, you know, operating systems. So in order to keep up with the more modern pace of business in the digital world where everything now could be bought and sold from, you know, a magical device that you keep in your pocket, um, things change. Things in the technology behind that change. Things like how you're paying for stuff. um, Things like where your products are going to be seen, how you're going to sell them, what kind of privacy and security you need in order to make sure all that stuff stays safe and you keep the customer's security at, you know, in mind, but I'm sure just through some of the strategy strategy sessions that you've had and you've talked to other businesses, what are three things you think any business owner, small business owner that has software either out of the box or custom software should kind of evaluate and look at to see if it's worth updating or adding new features to help their business processes? Are there any common I, I think- themes that you see? I think when it comes to software, there's a couple of things that you have to do all the time or you're going to run into problems, which 
as things update, you need to stay up with those updates. If you have a mobile app, iOS and Android, they update every year. And your app has to at least go through some sort of cursorial, hmm, that's a new word, uh, a, a check to see, do I still work? Because a lot of times yeah, they, they think, have oh, to still it, just, work it just works. In, and, and when you're thinking about systems. building a modern app, are you, I, I paid this much for it, that's all I should pay for it. That's, that's not how that works. Um, so that's, that's an easy one. But when it comes to internal software, if it's only your internal team using it, the question becomes, can you still develop on it? A lot of times that software gets so old. We're talking six plus years. That's a long time in software land. That it's your, the number of people you can find to support said stack is going to get harder. If you are on a really old stack, I'd say every five years you need to kind of really do a, a deep dive on what kind of upgrades. They're probably going to be somewhat substantial. But if you don't do them, then you're going to be stuck in a place where a developer could take advantage because they're the only ones who know the product and the only ones who can learn it. Uh, that's a horrible place to be in. Um, or the proverbial bus happens and that developer's gone for some reason and now you're really holding the bag of some ancient software and you're going to have to pay out the nose because not many people write that. Um, yeah. that and I'm sure a common, a common solution that some of these businesses find for that is just – don't fix it if it's not broken. Just patch, 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 and get it working for a little while until we figure something else out just to keep business going. Oh, that is very And common. I'm sure and fixing the, eventually. Yeah, the leaks in the wall with duct tape eventually are just going to burst. So what are some like common eventually sense ways you make that the, they could assess what they need every five years? Eventually, you build what I call the, the Franken-beast, which yeah. is you build <laughs> the core thing – and you bolt on all these other things and you end up with this wobbly contraption that eventually breaks under its own weight uh, because multiple development teams or whatever have been in there and they don't have a cohesive things. And generally that's not – if you're doing a purely internal app, that's not that big of a deal. Um, as long as it's working, fine. You're, you're, you can stretch that, that a bit further if it's purely internal. When you're customer-facing, that customer is – regularly seeing new apps and new websites and new this, that, and the other. And so if yeah. yours looks old, it's going to hurt you. Um, so when you are, I mean, the natural progression of people who like custom software, and I, that's a mindset, right? There's, there's, when it comes to business owners, there's really two types of people um, that I find people who like out of the box software and can deal with the shortcomings of that. And cause it's not, you know, molded to your business. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's just, that's a lot of people. And then the people who really like things to be their own and they're a custom software shop and they love it. They want their software does what they do. Uh, some of our clients consider it a competitive advantage that my other, you know, I'm in a competitive industry and the other guys are buying off the shelf and I know what those can do. And we're going to build something that's unique to us and that's going to make us better. That's a common thing. Yeah. What you, what the, the, if you are that custom software kind of guy, which is generally who we're talking about. You will start, you'll come to a company like ours and you'll say, hey, I want you to build an app or revamp this app or you know, wherever you are in your life cycle um, to, to make my company run. I've got this, this custom software suite. I need that and I want you to help me build it. Okay, great. 
we then modernize them. Usually signs of that are data duplication. Your, your poor back office staff is typing the same thing three times. That's a very common way that you yeah, know. Yeah, it's you three different to, uh, sections uh, of the software. Yeah, to, to just or you're running reports yeah. in five different places because only some of the data is shared with each other. That's another common one. Uh, but what you find is we'll, the, cust- the company will come in, the development will happen, the, the, everything magically occurs, and you have this great software suite that has made your life easier on the back office. Your back office team is, is more efficient. They are happier generally because they're doing the stuff they love rather than the rigmarole of typing that same thing in six times. Um, but then once we've done that, then the, almost inevitably, the next phase is, well, the next pain in the butt is communicating and working with our clients. Like right now, you know, I do X and we email when we're done with X, we email our clients and say, hey, look, here's what we did. Here's here's proof. Here's a PDF or whatever. And, and <laughs> out of 100 clients, we'll get 20 calls in six months of I lost my email. Can you resend me that? And those kinds of things just eat your back office time again. And so then we build the customer portal. Right. And so now we're growing. And that's that's a very natural flow. But. I don't think what you can, you you don't want to get stuck in latest and greatest. You don't want to get stuck in bleeding edge. That's a, that's an expensive hold. The bang for your buck is really small there. Um, Right. It doesn't matter the stack as long as you can find developers. It doesn't matter the, uh, it doesn't matter the language. It doesn't matter the interface even. I mean, as a UX guy, that pains me to say that. But if it, your team is liking it, then it doesn't matter. You eventually we have we're, we're doing this on two clients right now. Um, a year ago, Microsoft Azure, which is where a lot of our clients live, have said, "Hey, this kind of VM virtual machine, which is a type of server up in the cloud, um, we are deprecating it. It's going away. We're not supporting it anymore. So you get a year. They give you plenty of time to do this. You have a year to do something different because this is going away." And if you don't have an ongoing relationship with a devs team, that is going to be that's cold water right in your veins. Yeah, I would imagine they're literally turning your server off. Yeah, I I would imagine if if you just had your standalone app working for you without an internal team, and you're just using contractors here and there to find someone, be like, hey, I need you to move everything off of this Mm -hmm. VM or server and find a better place to put it and do it without breaking anything. Yeah, and don't break it, right? Because this yeah. is my business. This is my entire life right here, and please take care of it. So we're, we're doing that right now with two of our clients, um, and it's not a big deal for us. We, we work in, and we're in there with them all the time, so it's, it's, it takes time. You have to test the crud out of it because this is prod production, um, but that happens. There's nothing you can do about it. AWS does it. Azure does it. They all do it because they're upgrading too, right? They are yeah. changing their stuff, and the way that they do VMs now is very different than the way they did them six years ago when, in our case, the, the clients were stood up um, by another okay. team, not us. Just some definitions. So Azure is yep. a series of – it's like a hosting services for servers that your software would live on before it's actually sent to like a, if are, you have a private server. But it's – and prod it's is a production and test is testing, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Correct. So when, no matter what app you build, if you have any sort of database, you have any sort of logic that has to be run, you're going to put your code up in the cloud on some sort of server. And there's really two people who do that, Amazon and Microsoft. 
Amazon's called AWS. Yeah, is Amazon's website. Yeah, that's Amazon. That's they run. Amazon runs probably. uh, I don't know the exact. It's something like fifty percent of the web runs on Amazon servers. It. It. That's the thing. Total side thing, but Amazon, the big store that we all go to and buy all our stuff, does not make any of their money. (laughs) That's what people just don't know. They make some money from it. Stores hosted on Amazon web servers makes their money. Yeah. They're almost all of the profit that Amazon makes. And again, I don't know the breakdown right off the top of my head, but the majority of just cash that they just print every year, it comes from the services, the the computers that they license out to everybody. That's what Amazon, that's how they can charge so little. It's because they just print money. Anyway, Microsoft is now turning into the same thing. rocket ships. <laughs> well, Sorry, a little business That's jab. separate. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's separate. But, um, but Microsoft is turning into the same thing. It used to be Microsoft made all their money on Windows, right? We all they, – they dominated the world for 20 years. Windows every five years would come out with a new version. They'd make bazillions of dollars and we'd repeat, right? That's you – know, Windows 95 on, that's what the world was. In the last five or ten years, that's make less and less money. So now they make money the same way Amazon does. Anyway, so their thing is called Azure, which is where another thing – Almost every server lives on one of those two things. Google has one too, but no one cares. Um, so when we, and we have production is where you live and that's where everything goes. So those things change constantly. And they are like, we are, this is timely, I guess. Recently, I don't know how recently, cause I didn't, I don't look at the timelines, but Azure has created a serverless database which is the coolest thing. So normally when you turn on a database, you say, hey, I want it to be this big, this much RAM, this much processor, et cetera. And I'm going to pay you for holding and keeping that server for me. I'm going to pay you $200 a month. So it's almost um, like you're purchasing a hard drive, but it's just space. But like a hard drive, well, I mean, it's you would space pay a certain amount power. for a it's certain a size and speed and how it's going to work. For yes. You. It's yeah. like you bought a new laptop and put it up in the cloud. Right. So, and that's no matter if you're using all of that or none of that, you pay, you pay this certain price. amount. Right. So nowadays they have serverless things that literally you say how big it can get and how small it can get. And when it gets really busy, it spins up and it literally charges you by the second, meaning it will scale up and down every second if it has to. And when it's two in the morning, it drops to almost nothing and you don't pay for that. It's very, very cool. I don't know what ninjas and fairy dust live to make that happen because I can't even reboot as fast as these guys spin up servers. I don't know how it works. I wish I did, but it is wild stuff. But so that's, that's we are testing that out with crazy. our clients. It's crazy. And we're testing it with our clients and we're finding that it's – you get – at its peak, you can have two times the power, but the cost because it's averaged is the same or cheaper. Than what you were paying. Okay, I was going to so ask about So if you the have cost. a spike, yeah, if you have a spike, then you're ready to handle it, and you're going to pay for that spike. But then at two in the morning again, it drops down, so you you it averages out to be at the same amount or less. And so we're okay. slowly turning all of our clients to that. But because it's so new tech, we're like we do it on test first, to yeah, <laughs> make sure. Anyway, I'm off in the weeds because I nerded out about this the last few days. Um, but it's. These are the kinds of things that happen behind the scenes. The reason I bring it up, Azure does this thing. And if you don't have an active dev team thinking about this stuff, you you could be left in the dust. And that's 
you should have someone on your side doing this kind of stuff, thinking about this stuff, trying to push these buttons. And say, what does this do? Right. As long as they're doing it on test. Okay. That's great. That's, so that's one more question. Um, say if you're a small business that has your custom software built for you, you have an internal like team of developers, but yep. your whole system is on a private server just within your business's network, like not up in the cloud anywhere. That was, is that that's a horrible good idea. or bad? Yes. Horrible idea. Horrible. Yeah. Don't so ever do that. <laughs> horrible. Uh, that used to be the only way it was done. I mean, I'm old. And that's how everything was done. Yeah. And we've talked about that, like startups, how easy they are to set up. That's larger because that's gone away. So that's one way the reason you can assess horrible. right now is that's probably time to upgrade then. It, well, that's, that's beyond us. Generally speaking, that means you got an IT guy, right? Your IT okay. guy is the guy who manages the physical server. And if he hasn't told you you should get up in the cloud, he's a bad IT guy. Fire him or her. Fire them right now. Because anybody who tells you you need a server in your office – does not have your best interest at heart. Here's a hot take for you. I There's just no way that they have your best interest at heart because that is – it used to be the only way, so we dealt with it. But now the amount of risk you have by doing that and keeping that computer in your office, that server, like an exchange server or a file server or whatever in your back room like you used to have, most offices, new ones or old ones, have a little closet somewhere where it used to have a bunch mm -hmm. of computers in. That should be empty now. <laughs> there should be no reason to have a computer. You should have a bunch of, I mean, if you're highly technical or something like that, I should never say never. The average business should not have a computer in a back room because it's just not worth it. Now, some people just don't, they don't trust the cloud and that's fair. That's your call as a business owner. I think it's a bad call, but of course I would. Um, but that's your call. But I'm saying if your IT guy is telling you, you should do this. I don't think that because they're making more money than they, have to and that's why they're doing it that's where i i've known a lot of it guys and they're like this cloud stuff kills me but i'm doing it anyways because it's the right thing to do that's a good it guy um okay uh and that and that's not us i'm not selling us we don't do it but but if you have a computer in the back office there's so many risks there because if that got if your power goes out let's think of a simple power outage and that, yeah, that's your web stuff. host, web server. Your server just went down. Literally, your website just went down. That used to be common in the early aughts, right, where I have a server in the back room and, my, and Spectrum Internet went down, and so my site went down. That's so in the past. Don't ever do that. So one more question to go back to if a small business was kind of assessing their own software. Uh, I think if you can notice that, say you – hire some new employees, which is hard to get right now, but they're probably yeah. going to be more adept to knowing software and how to use software than in the past. And I'm saying in the last five, 10 yep. years, you know, people's natural ability to just adjust and learn how to use different apps and programs of software between their phone and their computer, it's just improved tremendously. So sure. if you hire Especially a new employee that's looking person. at your internal program, even no matter it works for you, like you said earlier, if it's fine for everybody on your team, it's fine. But say you get the new guy who's like looking around, he's kind of like trying to figure out the software, you're training him on it, and immediately they're just like, well, why don't we just do this? Or why doesn't that do this? Or why doesn't that, why can't these work together like this? And, you know, because you're just used to how more modern software works, that might be a flag for you to say, like, okay, well, maybe this time, if we're going to evaluate how much time it takes to train newer people, 
in this cycle and upgrade the system to be a little bit more modern versus trying to degrade everybody's knowledge back to using something that's getting out of date anyway. Well, if you, where that becomes a problem, if you're losing people because they just don't want to use your internal stuff, that's when it's time to upgrade. It should not be because the 20 year old thinks you're old and stupid. That's, well, that's not what the 20 year old is going to think 20, it's harder to use your internal software and which yeah, makes and their eventually job, they might quit. Yeah. Just like if they feel like I don't even know why I'm working here, their stuff doesn't even work. It's so old. Yeah. I mean, if it's that bad, it's time to upgrade, but I, I, I hesitate. I mean, I understand custom software is expensive. And so I'm not one of those guys who's like every two years you got to go. No, no. <laughs> if it's working fine. But if you're hiring younger people, like it's just, you know, it's time if you're, and you're getting younger yeah. and younger people. If you're growing and you're finding, you know, people who are 25 years old, here's an extreme example. So we didn't actually, this was not a client. This was a potential client. Um, but these guys came to us. This is a big company. I, uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars company somewhere in Florida. They, um, entire company ran off of a mainframe computer, old school IBM mainframe computer, green screen. And if what that means is if you're old like I am, I mean, this is even predating me. The whole screen is green. The text is green and you type and there's no mouse because they didn't support mice and everything was keyboard driven. And that's how you read. That's that's how mainframes were for from the 60s to the late 80s. Um, and their whole company ran off of this. That is an extreme this and they came to us because they were trying to modernize. They were we were talking about us modernizing for them. And I was like, because the, the business owner said, I don't trust the cloud. The mainframe, by the way, was in their office. So rewind what I just said about all that. And I mean, just you have a 50 plus million dollar business that was Risky literally dependent. Yeah, I mean, it just was bad. That's extreme to the point where it's like, whoa, but it proves the point, right? If those younger people are seeing things, they have to VPN and or, the, or a lot of places you'll see where are using an Adobe database to run their company. It's a very common thing, the access database, not Adobe, sorry, <laughs> access database um, to run their business. And the, the weakness of access is one person can be on it at one time. And that was something you dealt with a while ago, but that that's so unacceptable. Today. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're having a young person come in there like, Hey, John, are you done with that yet? I mean, that's, that's, you're hurting your business. And then it's probably worth the investment to, to upgrade that and redo that. Um, but I'd put that off as long as you can, but at some point it will be a tipping point because if you're losing good, good employees, cause they're just, I'm so tired of doing this. This is so stupid. You know, he's used to being on his phone and, yeah, and everything's say, plus- fast and slick. With the increase of remote work these days, which it's not going to go away anytime soon. Sure. So, I mean, it's probably just going to expand. Uh, if you, if, it, if it's difficult for a new employee or even a current employee to work from home because they can't get into the system through, you know, their laptop or their computer or their phone or tablet or whatever they're using and actually do their job, that's going to be a, a problem moving forward as well. So mm-hmm. even something as simple as, is your software you know, responsive enough to be like a progressive web app where it can scale to different devices if needed, or if even not if down to a phone, but at least if it can be accessed and used properly from outside of the actual business, like yeah, it, as long if, as it is supported to have remote work. There's a lot of older 
custom software that requires you to VPN before you're allowed to use it. That's generally not necessary anymore. Um, it, again, there VPN are extreme examples where you need private network just for. Yeah, in, in business terms, you have to sign into this gizmo, which puts you onto the office network, which yeah. then will allow you to open said software because it's internal to the network only. And so you basically have to build a connection from your house to that. That used to be the only way to do business remotely back, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But nowadays the web can be secure and you can protect your data and all of that. That that should go away. It's, it, that's getting less and less common, but it still happens. Uh, you shouldn't yeah. have a VPN stuff. Now, would you anyway. also like, let's say if you were a remote worker, would you have to download something onto your Oh, machine yeah. in order to access or would you just be able to slide right in there and, and work through the browser is that probably a if a you're a vpn now that you would download well no i mean not if you're oh, a VPN, nowadays but if you're just yeah uh, if there's a custom modern stuff no you should have to download work anything. in a browser a very, i haven't built a desktop app in 10 years like that's used so to everything be, basically that's what you build browser everything works in a browser i mean again there are extreme examples if you're building desktop apps i mean adobe like we were just talking about is build desktop apps desktop it's apps. not like they they're gone but right. most business software lives in the web and should live in the web yeah adobe that's one of the things that some people were saying they were going to kind of take the cue from figma because figma has the working in the browser thing down like it's extremely well it, it's performing extremely well there's not any lag or anything like that multiple people can work at the same time without lag so that's something that adobe was going to take from figma you know to go back to what we were talking about earlier, Figma and Adobe, Adobe acquiring Figma. They were going to take cues from Figma on how to update a lot of their design stuff to work in the browser a lot better. Cause right now it's only like pieces and parts will work in the browser and it's a really bad experience. None well, of I mean, Some things like XD could probably be purely on the web and it would work fine, but you're not going to put Photoshop mm -hmm. up there. Well, I mean, but it could, well, I mean, right now in they it. do. They're testing, beta testing versions of like smaller, like Photoshop Lite or Photoshop Express, yeah. whatever they call it. Like a lot of browser, those but yeah. need processor power that you can't. Now, in theory, nowadays, what, you, what you're going to see in the future is we're going, if you're, if you're old, you might remember thin clients and stuff like that and, and fat clients and whatever. We're moving into a world where you could be on your phone. I mean, this is a bad example, but you can remote into a very powerful uh, digital version of a Windows machine, and and it's real time. You're just working on it, and when you're done, the, it goes away, and it stays saves your state, and you come back. That is getting more and more real, and that's what's funny is you could have you're gonna have some really weak laptops connected to very powerful servers. I mean, gaming does this right now like crazy. You can now play a top tier Xbox game on your phone without melting your phone because it's basically playing a video. That's what's what's happening, and they have really high, uh, really low latency that allows you to play the game. They're doing the same thing for computers. So I could be on a very cheap laptop that the company you know buys a five hundred dollar Windows laptop, and you just log in through the internet, and but you don't feel that it's slow. Does that make sense? Because yeah, it's all almost the like processor you're using power a is somewhere else. Computer that's yeah. a lot faster. And that's getting more and more common, um, and so it's we're 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 going through. A shift. 5G plus stupid internet speeds equals new stuff. This is coming. The next few years is, is going to be very interesting in that regard. Well, then that's then you something add on you glasses. should probably look at too. I mean, if, you, if you're running old software in your business, 
everything is going to sure. start moving way more mobile and way more remote. So maybe you should kind of yep. make sure that, it, like you said, customer facing products are all accessible through mobile devices. All the, any kind of sales and payments are all secured through reputable companies. Um, any kind of communication or interaction you have with your clients are a lot more integrated than just an email back and forth. You know, they have a place if to go to check paper, on their own personal reason. stuff. Yeah. Well, if you're using paper, but if you're using okay, paper, well, so. paper is still common, but yeah, that's a, that's yeah, but usually one, the paper is also backed up. I mean, even now most stores will, if you set up a profile with the store, even if you're shopping in the brick and mortar and you just have that email receipt or just don't print the receipt, most of them will store that. Like if they'll just store it to your profile or your, whatever you want to call it. What, what's the word? that I'm looking for. It's not profile, but your account. Sorry, your account with that store. You can get there. I get annoyed, totally unrelated. I get annoyed when I'm buying something. Like I, my daughter's going for her homecoming dress. And so we've been shopping. And when you buy something, you're at a department store, and your only options are print, email, or both. What about none? Can I just have none? <laughs> I don't I don't, don't want to give you my email address, and I don't want to waste the paper. So how about that's just, becoming none. super common in brick and mortar stores now too. It's also it's like okay, and coffee shop your is email common. and your phone number, and it's yeah. like, are mm -hmm. those required for me to continue this purchase? And no, but we really prefer to have you. And it's like, nah, nah. Uh, I feel like a rebel. So I, my office is right next to a Walgreens, and I'll get little stuff. I feel like such a rebel. Do you have a Walgreens account? No. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I'm standing up to the man. <laughs> In this day, and do you age, want to give you me your phone Walgreens number? account? <laughs> yeah. What is no? Wrong with do you have you? a phone number? No. Okay. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. There's something not, very satisfying. You're not part of a rewards program. You're missing out on points. <laughs> uh, yeah, those points things. Anyway, anyway, that's a whole other podcast I could ramble on about. All right, so to wrap it up today, we just wanted to kind of congratulate each other, I guess, since we don't have a huge crowd and audience to say thank you to but um thank you to anybody who's listened so far yeah because it marks the one year anniversary of our first recording of a podcast we started september 17th of 2021 so it's been one year at first which is crazy at first when we started this it was a way for me and david to kind of just talk to each other and, and get some ideas out and immediately David went on Google and looked up best microphone for podcasting. Found a blue That's Yeti. How I do it. A couple of days later, it showed up at my doorstep. He had one in his office. I'm a little farther away, so it had to be mailed. And we started recording and then got an editor for the podcast that told us those microphones were garbage. So now well, our first editor was my son. Our first editor was my son. He did not say that. <laughs> Once we got rid of my son, we didn't get rid of him. We fired him. Totally fired him with extreme prejudice. Once we uh, got the marketing team, they were like, yeah, what are you doing? These Macs are trash. And yeah. So well, uh, your son I wasn't too happy out. with having to take all the background noise out of the audio tracks either. So I like the Blue Yeti. I still have it over there. I use it for D&D. &D. Yeah. Mine's, um, mine's on the shelf back there too. It looks cool. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very large pill. It's Speaking crazy of your to son, think we've been doing this a year. He's like also the music producer who 
did the music for our intros and interludes and stuff like that. That is correct. So. He does all of our music, uh, which we probably should get. We should probably get another song now that we're a year old. We should spruce it up a bit. I'm sure we could get that happen. Yeah, or get a couple more for maybe the interludes. Put them to work. Let's get him to work. He just sits around all the time. Let's get him to do something productive for once. He actually works for our marketing company now. Um, I'm trying to think. We started this because I got tired of writing blogs and I wanted to just talk more. (laughs) And we got to, we, we started enjoying it and here we are 50, 51 episodes later. We skipped one week. That's right. We've skipped one week. That's yeah. pretty good. You would write a blog and then send it to me and then I would read it and then give you input and then uh-huh. you would write more and then we'd have someone else edit it. And then over the course of that like month, maybe we'd have one small Once article. A month. And yep. then we were like, why don't we just like talk to each other? Then we started having like little Zoom meetings talking mm-hmm. about it. And I think that was like, we should just record this. It's way easier than us it. sending the document back and forth. And I was like, let's just turn it into a podcast. And I kind of mentioned it as a joke. Like, let's just make it a podcast. And then everybody was like, yeah, actually, that's, that's okay. Why not? Let's do it as a podcast. If you ever get bored and want to see those articles that came out very rarely, you can look up big pixel in C, I think on uh, medium. Those are still out there. Uh, I like yeah. them, but yeah, there's still, still very good uh, content. Yeah. A lot of the first episodes came from there actually from my drivel on medium. I, you know, I'm still killing it. I think I made 32 cents last month off of medium. So You're a professional writer then <laughs> I sold the stock photo on Adobe stock for seven cents last year. So I'm a professional photographer. Bam. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all for those who have listened for an entire year. My wife included. Hi, Jen. Um, she has been a faithful listener uh, since day one, and I think it puts her to sleep every night. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure that's what she wants to hear, more of your voice. like <laughs> More of my voice. These dulcet tones. She can't get enough of this lisp, man. I tell you, it is magic. <laughs> all righty. Well, thank you all again for listening to us, and uh, we will be back. I will not be here next week. Gary will be leading the show, so I'm sure he will go flawlessly, and he won't make we fun will of have at all. Ace- Special guest to replace you for next week. Nice. So. And so I'll be back in a couple of weeks. You can always reach us. Hit us up with any questions, comments, or ideas at hello at thebigpixel.net. That's our email. Or you can reach us through any of our social media channels and leave comments on our YouTube videos. So until then, we will see you next week. Later. Thank you all, everybody. Thank you.